Hello, everyone. Welcome to another Don Around Monologue podcast. I am your solo host for these monologues, as always, Bo. And before we get into anything else, uh, as always, I do want to thank our longtime sponsor, longtime friend of the show, Ashley Luann K. You can find her on Instagram at The Minnesota Nurse. She has a smattering of cool content on there and has even been doing some fun contests and giveaways. So please check her out there. Guys, so Tetsuya Nomura, after Final Fantasy VIII, uh, had a bit of a break from Final Fantasy. He was not involved in any capacity as far as I was ever aware or any of my research has been able to find out on Final Fantasy IX. Final Fantasy IX, of course, was the return to roots for Final Fantasy. It was the final Final Fantasy to be released on the PlayStation and concludes the trilogy of games that was probably the most beloved trilogy in Final Fantasy. So Tetsuya had a little bit of a break in which he was able to work on a lot of other projects. Um, and we'll, we'll get to those projects in uh, next week's uh, series, Tetsuya Nomura Part 2. But uh, he had that little bit of a break there, and he didn't come back to Final Fantasy until Final Fantasy X, and he came back with a vengeance. He had a huge influence over everything that he had before and uh, in Final Fantasy VIII, but now even more so. Um, he is such a huge name that his name is the only, like I said, his is the only name credited on the uh, splash screen for the Final Fantasy X uh, HD Remaster Collection. He's the only he's the only t- credit you'll see on the splash screen. It says character design Tetsuya Nomura. And of course, as we've learned from these uh, past three games, character design or past two games, beg your pardon, character design by Tetsuya Nomura means a lot more than just drawing up the characters. So, this was the first game where uh, Tetsuya Nomura's background, growing up on an island, would be seen the most. As the entire world of Final Fantasy X is pretty much the uh, the Asian Pacific. It's very influenced by these island chains and stuff like that. The game takes place entirely on islands right next to the sea. The whole world is, is the whole world of this game is sort of like that. And uh, this game, the, the the world is the most distinct Final Fantasy world I think we've seen yet. Uh, we we start the game off in a huge, bustling, future, semi-futuristic metropolis. Uh, fanta- well, fantastically futuristic, I should say, uh, a fantasy futuristic. And um, he then gets transported to a, a world much similar with the same places, but uh, a, a bit more primitive because they hate machines, but they still have magical machines that they're just fine with using that include things that resemble televisions and uh, state-of-the-art uh, subnautical uh, sports. And uh, this is the first game where Tetsuya Nomura's designs were so distinct that they were used in the... F- the characters are... Their clothing is identical in field and cutscenes and um, and in battle. Uh, Yuna's jewelry will be the same no matter where you're seeing her in this game. They won't make sacrifices to save space. Uh, this game, as we talked about last week, was... Uh, it, it, this was the game that solidified the PlayStation 2's capabilities... Uh, it is in. Uh, it is one of the top ten best-selling games for the PlayStation Two, and Tetsuya Nomura's incredible design had a lot to do with that. And his design in this game, will note, is a lot different from the past two games because as bright as eight was, ten is bri- brighter yet. Ten is a beautiful, beautiful game, and there's so many colors and such pretty designs and such iconic scenes in it. Um, I I just I. I, I'm I'm flabbergasted just thinking of it, just how artistic this game is because of Tetsuya Nomura. So, this game he had a lot of influence over the story, uh, more so than he did in Final Fantasy VIII. In fact, this game, 
it, when you start a game, you'll see that the game took three years to complete the Final Fantasy X project. Um, it was it was the biggest undertaking in company history. Uh, it happened during and a little bit after Hironobu Sakaguchi's falling out with the company because of the failure of Squaresoft's movie studio that he founded in Honolulu, Hawaii. Um, a lot of video game journalists, journalists malign Hironobu Sakaguchi for that decision, for what happened there. But I've said in the past on podcasts uh, that he just dared to dream is all he did. Um, I, it's very unfortunate that it ended the way it did, but I don't blame him at all. And for further proof of how, well, how much of a legend Hironobu Sakaguchi is, he has gone on to create some very great games and uh, you'll be hard pressed to ever hear Tetsuya Nomura speak ill of him. So Tetsuya Nomura, um, you know the story of Final Fantasy X uh, and stuff like that. He had a lot of influence over that. So let's go straight into these characters and what we can learn about him through the characters he designed for this. Because again, that was still the biggest hat he wore on this project. So the first character we have is Titus. Titus is a very interesting Final Fantasy character because he is a jock. I remember that being a mark against him in the otaku uh, uh, groups that I was a member of growing up in high school. This game came out when I was a freshman in high school, and several kids were upset that they had to play a jock in this game. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Titus has a lot going on, and the fact that he's an incredible blitzball player, a game made up for this game, uh, is absolutely ridiculous, and it makes perfect sense why they would make him that as you progress through the game. But Titus is the star of the Xanarkand Abes, a uh, a blitzball team from Xanarkand. He is in he is he's incredible at what he does, but not quite as incredible as his father was, and that's that's something of a something of a, a major thing in his character. Is Titus has some extreme daddy issues going on, man. Um, he didn't like Jacked at all, his father, but we're going to find out that the entire world loved Jacked and the entire second world he goes to still loves Jacked. <laughs> so this is something he has to deal with the whole game. The fact that he was the only person that hated his father and he hated his father because we'll see in his memories that, uh, Titus never really seemed good enough for his father and his father was never around. But of course, this gets explored a lot later in the game. I won't ruin it for you. But if you want to know more about that, play the game. Titus has a very real... I love Titus because every single character in this game has a complete relationship with the main character. Every single character in this game has a complete relationship with each other. And I love that. There's no character that just seems like... Uh, uh, nah. Like each of these characters is important to each other for very clear and well-defined reasons. And they all have a connection to Titus. And Titus you finally get to play a main character that doesn't just change the story, but he changes the lives and influences the lives of each and every character he meets. Most prominently, Yuna. Yuna's a wonderfully designed character. I love her clothes. I love her personality. I love everything about this character. I think it's one of the best characters Tetsuya Nomura has ever designed. Yuna had a complicated relationship with her father also, but she has nothing but admiration and respect for her father. And we find out that Jack actually served her father. So that's kind of interesting. He served as his uh, as his uh, protector, as his guardian. Summoners have a guardian. Yuna is a summoner, and Titus becomes a guardian for Yuna. And Yuna and Titus have a really cool... And I almost think it's better than the love story between Renault and Squall, because uh, Yuna and Titus could have existed in a vacuum, each of them. They didn't really need each other, but they found each other, and they influenced each other, and that's how love is. I, I don't... As a person that's been married for 11 years... 
Um, love isn't about what you get from someone. It's about what you experience with them. And uh, that's my humble opinion on love. Again, I've been married uh, for 11 years to the most beautiful woman I've ever met, Ashley. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure you never listened to the show, Ash, but if you are listening, I love you. And uh, part of what taught me how to love was Tetsuya Nomura's amazing character design in Final Fantasy X. Um, but yeah, Yuna and Titus have this uh, beautiful relationship and one of the most beautiful cutscenes. Um, I think in video game history, just an amazing, uh, just a gorgeous cutscene is, uh, of course, uh, Yuna and Titus there in the water when they share their uh, first kiss. I think that's a a great scene. But Yuna, uh, we, we see Yuna grow a lot. Yuna is very idealistic like Renoa before her, um, but it's a very much more realistic idealistic. Um, there's a fatalism in Yuna's belief, and uh, she is following her father's footsteps pretty exactly. Her father defeated Sin 10 years ago, and she plans to defeat Sin this time. But she's not deluding herself thinking that it's going to be a squeaky clean victory. She just wants to protect everyone else. She's very selfless about her own life, which is a constant source of frustration for Titus and for her guardians. Um, the other guardians that uh, we're going to travel with, we're going to travel with Waka, which is a new bro character. And Waka's an incredibly cool character because we're dealing with something in this character that we don't normally deal with with good guys. And that's prejudice. Waka's a, a, a prejudiced person. He's an extremely prejudiced person. He hates the Albed culture. He hates them. Um, I mean, he even goes as far as to say things like the only good Albed is a dead Albed and stuff like that. And, and he's dealing with the death of his brother, uh, who was a crusader, uh, who is sort of a de facto non... They are a religious organization, but they're not exactly fully sponsored by the religion. It's kind of weird. But his brother... Um, died and his brother looked exactly like Titus. Titus looks a lot like uh, Waka's brother did. And so Waka, when he meets Titus, is immediately attached to him. Not only does Titus play football, and Titus is an amazing football, blitzball, and is an amazing blitzball player, but he looks like Waka's brother, and Waka's immediately attached to this person, much to the chagrin of Lulu, which we'll get into here in a minute. But uh, Waka, we're, we're, he's a great guy, by all means, but he legitimately holds this prejudice. And it, it's a hate. He hates this ethnic group, literally. And it's something that he deals with and grows with and eventually gets over as this game goes through because of another party member, Riku, who is an Albed. And that's something really brave and cool to deal with in a main character, a good guy, someone we all genuinely like. Everyone loves Waka, but he has this horrible person. Like, we would not accept it. I certainly hope you wouldn't accept prejudice in one of your friends. You would actively try to change it. And if you couldn't, you would distance yourself from this person. And uh, that's something that's very interesting about Waka. I've always thought that was a very interesting thing uh, because prejudice is 100% unacceptable. It's absolutely unacceptable. But having a character that we watch learn and grow from it, it almost gives you hope for the world because the goal shouldn't be to just sit and hate prejudiced people. It should be to eliminate prejudice um, because we want a world without prejudice. And we're, I mean... You know, there's only so many ways we can make that happen. And the best one, I think, is to make prejudiced people unprejudiced. So that's, uh, that's a inter very interesting thing about Waka. So we'll, we'll go straight into Lulu here. Lulu was uh, engaged to uh, Waka's brother. And uh, so she doesn't like Titus because Waka is so reminded by him and also because she is too. But she thinks they're putting too much trust in Titus. She's a very untrusting character. She's the only dark character really in the game. Her design is dark. Um, she's got kind of a, a goth image going on. 
And uh, but it's not a very it's not a superficial darkness. She's grieving still. And we get to explore this as the game goes on. And through her relationship with Titus, she gets some sort of closure about Waka's brother. I actually I'm replaying the game now. I actually forgot Waka's brother's name, but he's not so important. Uh, except in that he had this influence over these characters. So calling him Waka's brother is just fine. But Waka, who has dealt with the death of his brother in a better way and is just reminded of maybe a little bit of closure that he didn't deal with by Titus, Lulu is forced to come to more closure with her brother because of Titus joining. And it's just, it's a very real dynamic that I really, really enjoy in these characters. And she's the pragmatist in the group. She's the one that is more serious. She's the one that's going to come up with the best solution. She sort of takes Squall's role in that respect. Um, we have Riku. Riku is an Albed. She's the, she's the, uh, the fun character. She's the one that's like, she's the free spirit, like Aerith and selfie. She's a very fun, very bubbly personality, but she's an Albed and she's a brilliant mechanic when working with Machina, which of course is only acceptable by the Albed. It's rejected by the rest of the, uh, of the world based on their religion. Um, but she, she's a brilliant mechanic. She's the one that actually discovers Titus when he goes to the future to join their crusade and defeating sin once more. And, uh, she's an important character, not only because she found Titus and brought him into all this, but, uh, she's also important because of the way that Waka in society as a whole is able to re re, uh, evaluate their views and their history with the Albed people period because of, uh, Riku's actions. So that's, what's interesting about, uh, Riku. And, uh, one last character I want to talk about just because he works one of these characters at all these games. I actually mentioned to forget in I didn't mention final Fantasy seven, but Tetsuya Nomura has some lion character in all of his games, whether they are a literal lion or whether they're a person with lion like aspects based on what we have culturally assigned to lions. But in this one, it's another literal lion person. His name's Kamari. He's of the Ronzo tribe. He's very quiet. He doesn't doesn't say a lot, but we learn a lot of cool things about Kamari as we go through the game. And it's kind of neat because um, every character that knows Kamari at the beginning of the game is just like, oh, that's just Kamari. He quiet, he's quiet and he guards Yuna. So everything that we learn about him, the characters learn about him as well as we progress through the story. And I think that's a very interesting way to present a character in a video game. And also, uh, it's just, as always, we have lions in uh, Tessino Mira games. And I did forget to mention Red 13 and Final Fantasy VII, which is weird because he's my favorite, one of my favorite Tetsuya Mira characters ever. Red 13 um, is a literal lion who's experiment, and he was one of Hojo's experiments. We think the reason he's able to talk is because of uh, Hojo's experiments, but we find out when we get to his hometown of Cosmo Canyon that he comes from an entire tribe of talking lions. And we get to see some closure with him, with his father, who he believed his whole life to be a coward. And we find out that his father was a great hero. And he sort of has this really cool moment with his father, Sito. So um, absolutely love the character of Red 13. And uh, guys, if you've never played Final Fantasy X, I recommended it last week. I'm going to recommend it to you again. Uh, it was probably the greatest video game ever. It was probably one of the greatest games for the greatest system ever of all time. Uh, and it certainly was a great showcase of Tetsuya Nomura's extreme capabilities. And uh, the next time we see Tetsuya Nomura taking on major responsibilities in a game, it's going to be the game that changed his life and the game that started the series that would become his magnum opus, Kingdom Hearts. We'll start it on Kingdom Hearts tomorrow, and we'll talk about it a lot next week. Guys, um, 
if you want to share some Final Fantasy X memories, guys, just hop onto our Discord. Again, I know I talked about Final Fantasy X last week, but we were talking about it in regards to Tetsuya Mirror's career today. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, guys, uh, join the Discord. Let's talk about it. Uh, we've still got Patreon links there. You guys can join our Patreon. We've got a lot of cool content on there. We've got more coming on the way. We have our merch links down there, the shirt, the uh, the book. We've got stickers. It, we, we got some cool stuff out there that I'm very proud of. The only reason I'm not wearing the shirt today is because it's in the laundry because I wear it so much. Um, the uh, We have links to the rest of our friends in the Rally Network. Uh, guys, we have a really cool little partnership going on with these guys. None of us are, are overstepping each other in our uh, podcast subjects. Um, in fact, if I may suggest one off the top of my head, I would strongly suggest taking out Keegan on the Framework of Tomorrow uh, for History Buffs. That's an absolutely awesome podcast to listen to. That young man has a lot of really cool ideas that he could put onto a podcast. So, guys, until I see you tomorrow, have uh, be safe and have fun.